You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Communication Mixdown. I'm Rima Rotan. If you regularly listen to this show live, you may be aware that the program that follows us is Eritrean Voices. That 90-minute show is one of the longer-running radio programs on 3CR and was launched in late 2001. Programmed by volunteers from the Eritrean community, the show is presented in Arabic, Tigrinya, a language spoken by the Tigrinya people of Ethiopia and Eritrea, and English. The programmers of Eritrean Voices recently celebrated their show, which is widely recognized as an essential service in the community, by launching a book about the program at an event in Flemington. I spoke to a number of people about the show there, and today present a celebration of this long-running program that covers political, social, cultural, and health-related issues for the Eritrean community. First up, here are the founders of Eritrean Women's Voices, which rebranded as Eritrean Voices in 2005. Okay, so you are the founders of the original Eritrean Voices show. Yeah, it, it, it used to be called Eritrean Women's Voice. Uh-huh. That is who we are, that's when we started it. And we were only women. So it was myself, Amuna, Inas, Afra. My name is Afra. Yeah. Why did you start the show? What, was, what did you think was the need for it? I think from what I said before, maybe Inas and, and Afrahi might elaborate on that, but then it was, uh, we were newcomers at the time, and we thought it, we were very challenged in terms of our identity and sense of belonging, you know, and then secondly, uh, who we are actually, what are we doing here? It's a new place, new space, especially as women with colours with hijab, you know, racism, it was on the peak at that time, 2001. And then the third one was, uh, where to from here? What is our vision? Why we are here? What do we want to be? And that is, I think, those questions, to answer those questions, we decided that it is best place to find a platform where we could just ask. It is not necessarily we'll find this, uh, a solution, but then uh, the fact that we can just put whatever we wanted to say in a table out there for people to see it. And I think it is great to see, yes, it's changed now, the focus, like everything Eritrean women do, because, you know, it is just difficult. It is just difficult, very difficult as women for us to exist fully, but where we are now, we feel comfortable, it's good, and we are hoping that to create someday a good space, safe space for our daughter to be and to exist. I'm interested, you said it's hard for women to exist and, and there's an erasure. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. As a woman, as women, it doesn't matter where you are coming from. For example, where we come from, um, 
what you know achievement in terms of achievement for Eritrean women within the Eritrean revolution no one no one will dismiss that but then when the the revol- when uh, the achievement came the outcome you know uh, who do we have in the decision making space in Eritrea not many women not many women. we were with them in the same hall in the same space during the war but now you know we don't exist as percent as percentage even though Eritrea is better than many other places so I think it is our role and that's one of the things maybe in us we used to talk about that all the time we need to we used to invite a lot of women you know in decision making spaces yeah and we hope that now the the direction of the radio program is is different it is brilliant we do support that and we do have the privilege and we are proud we started it isn't it girls <laughs> So Ines, you spoke earlier to me about um, the focus on women as well. Do you want to um, elaborate? Yeah, I just wanted to add um, to what Amuna said. Um, at that time, as um, we were studying, uh, we were doing social work, and we had a lot of dreams, and we thought, okay, let's give our women a way to communicate with the outside world. Um, most of, at that time, it's been 18 years, I can't believe it. <laughs> but um, at that time, uh, most of our women, as I said to you, um, they came to Australia uh, like uh, single moms with a lot of kids. And most of our women at that time, they were, um, they were isolated. You know, uh, they, they, for the first time, they were, they, uh, they, they were the decision makers. They need to raise the kids. They need to understand the outside world. They need to communicate with the outside world. So at that time, one of the... Um, the issue that we discussed and we thought we can help with is to provide information about services and and to let women understand that there is a lot of help outside and they can do whatever they want to do at that time. And as I said to you, we discussed a lot of um, issues, domestic violence, raising kids, parenting and all these things. And at the same time, when we discuss the issue, we will provide information about the services available uh, for, for the families at that time. So we had a big dream at that time, to be honest. We were, at, at that time, Amuna had, had one child. I was a childless person with a very, I was single, childless person with very long hours to sleep. I used to sleep for many, I'm many sure hours. you missed that. I, I do, I'm still missing that. So we had a lot of dreams and we were talking about how we can do that, how we can help our women. And this is one of the reasons that we involve Afra because she's a younger generation. So we wanted to engage the younger generation to to have their inputs, because when we came here, me and um, um, Amuna, we were not really very like uh, teenagers at that time. So we wanted to reach to that group. Uh, I had younger brothers; they were going through a lot. So we thought, you know, we'll get the the point of view of the younger ones to come and join. So it was a big dream, and I'm really, to be honest with you. Um, I got very busy with my own things and um, I was really surprised but proud at the same time that's still happening and it's more uh, wider they're covering different groups and different aspects of their community and they're helping a lot so we are so proud of them and we're gonna support them. Afra what was your experience working on it when it started? My experience was I was the youngest one <laughs> and I was just I think I was 15 or 14 so I was just talking I wasn't like you know my dream was just to be like helping only and a volunteer was but this dream is still is holding in mind so still I run this program now I do a woman's program in my area in Primbank so I love to help women and get them to involved in the community yes. so they can everyone they can hear their voice about their dreams what they are dreaming in home they have to bring it in the community as well 
because they have to be proud of themselves as well as Eritrean and they are in Australia. The, um, one of the young women who has been working on the show earlier said, you know, she wants to, she's starting to be a civil engineer. She wanted to, you know, as a hijabi, as a black person, as an engineer, she said she was breaking all these walls. This is your work. This is what you have done. She's 22 and you inspired her. I, I think I think coming there now, uh, after 20 years, coming, as I said, with a lot of dreams, with a lot of stuff, you know, uh, nowadays, speaking about myself, being a regional manager and managing a huge program, and uh, this is me, so it is doable. And that is a call for every Eritrean woman that if you have got a dream, just go for it. Go for it. Do it. <laughs> And, and it is something that I remember, I think my dad's generation was, he was a huge supporter. He tell me that you, you're really strong, you can reach the sky, that's what he used to tell me. And I took it, so I would like to advise every Eritrean father or African father to support their girl and tell them that, yeah, you, you, you'll be okay, you're going to make it. And I made it, here I am. Yeah. One of the things you said that struck me when you were giving your speech was um, this idea when migrants come to this country, they, they lose everything that they were. That, you know, you're someone there. Ines, do you want to talk to that for a bit? Uh, that's true because um, I came with my mom, six of us with um, a mom. She, she wasn't single, but she, for, for whatever happening at that time, we needed to come just with my mom. And I saw the struggle. With her, she was struggling every day, raising six kids. Four, four of them, uh, three of them were teenagers. Um, the youngest was seven years old. He's a father now, <laughs> so it's just it's amazing to see that. But um, when I look back and I see what my mom went through with all of us, um, uh, she never uh, worked outside. Uh, she's she got married when she was 13, going to 14. Uh, she just finished, um, I think, yeah, uh, six or seven at that time. Um, she came here with no English, zero, nothing. All of a sudden, she used to be a housewife, uh, not a decision maker at all. Um, although I, my dad was um, a very, he was a fantastic guy who raised us girls to feel equal all the time. Yeah, at that time, but um, she came here and she with us, and she she found herself in a situation where she needs to make decisions for all of us. Okay, we 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 were like we were so different in personality from each other. She worked hard to to be able to cope with everything going around her. She will in the morning she will stand in front of the door seeing all of us going in our ways. She doesn't even understand what is really happening. We come home, we talk in the phone, she doesn't understand what we were talking about, but she did her best to keep us safe and to push us to do to go in our own way. I remember when I started social work, uh, I was the only one who's doing this in my family. My family they all are computer science none of them understood what, what i was doing my mom was really scared because every time i come and i'll be like you know i saw this client and this is happening and this is happening i should be like well, i don't want you to do this she was so scared that i'm gonna go crazy because of all these uh, uh issues issues that we were going and i remember we uh, both of us we were working at the islamic women welfare council i was doing um, volunteer work and when i was an employee there and we we did like um 
a group. Uh, we did like a group therapy kind of a thing. And we, we invited women to talk about, um, to, talk, to talk about the concept of rape in marriage. And I invited my mom and she was so upset with me after that. She's like, I want you to stop everything you're doing. This is not us. We don't do these things. That shows me, you know, everything was a taboo at that time. And this is one of the reasons we decided, like, okay, okay, let's talk about it. Let's open it, go behind the radio and talk about it because it's hard to, to do it. It's hard to invite them and say, come, come, we want to talk about this issue for our women at that time. I think now maybe a little bit different because the young generation already move on and they start their own life. The moms knows that the... The challenges are different now. The issues are different now. So they they give their the girls more space to go around and explore and to become something. You know, they don't... Like we went back home, the way we raised, my dad was different. Amuna's dad was apparently different because she was talking about her dad and this remind me how my dad used to talk to us about us. At that time, arranged marriage was an issue. It's a common thing. And I remember that my dad used to say, you know, I'm not going to divide my girls to the cousins. They're going to grow. They're going to have education. And they're going to make deci their decision when they grow up. And that will happen. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think um, our community, women in our community, they went through a lot. Like I was born and grew up in Sudan. But my parents was, were a refugee in Sudan. Okay. And then my parents, they have to come to Australia as a refugee too. So it's a circle. It's not finishing for them. I'm not sure when it's going to finish. Hopefully, hopefully, one day our country will set, everything will settle there. And I would really wish either for us or for the younger generation to have a country to go and live there as a citizen, not as a refugee. Because here we are permanent now and everything. But it's a history. Like, you were, how did you come to Australia? I came as a refugee. And this is something I think... Um, it's, it's a good and bad thing. It's good because it will um, it give us as a community a chance to do a lot of things that for different reasons we weren't able to do it back home, like in Sudan or in Eritrea. Um, and still our women there, they're still facing those challenges. And here, here things are better, things are different. So, and, and the radio is an example. Why did you choose radio? Did you, were, you, were you a journalist in Eritrea? Uh, actually, I wasn't, but I, I used to write. When I came here also, I used to write, but I was like, you know, poem, poetry, artist. I do write sometimes now, so it was part of what I, of what I did. I went to Khartoum University in Sudan as a refugee, but so I learned a lot from there. It was that time during the 80s where the political situation in Sudan was really turmoil, and so I was I, I, I was involved in a lot of politics there. You know, I had the opportunity to, to sit down with a lot of people that, you know, they are leaders now over there. So I learned a lot from there. And I know, you know, I studied there my university. I had, I studied psychology there. So when I came here, it was, I was almost ready. And that's what I was talking, you know, I was this person who is intelligent coming here. And then suddenly I found myself you know, where do I fit? Yeah, and 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 I realize that uh, if you want to be, you need to have a voice. You need to have a platform to say what you want to say, and to also, 
you know, it is just the space, a safe space for people to invite people. Yes, there is opportunity here. There is opportunity. And if we want to exist in this country, we need to be, uh, we need to have some kind of, of a say politically. And when we started the, the radio, I remember, I would, I would have loved to continue um, to be part of the political you know, space in Australia. And I still dream about it. But I will wait and see what's going to happen because I think if we want to exist, we need, if we want to exist, we need to have a space in the uh, decision maker space up there or down there, wherever we are. So I think, no, I wasn't a journalist, but I had a dream. Yeah. Hi, my name's Travis from Larrakia Country, and I'm here to talk about the Reading Writing Hotline. It's a service that helps adults who can't read and write as well as they'd like to. The number is 1300 655 06. Give them a call if you know somebody who needs help with reading and writing. It's never too late to learn, and it's easier than you think. 1300 655 06. 1300 655 06. The Reading Writing Hotline. A 3CR supporter. You're with Communication Mixdown, and today I'm celebrating Eritrean Voices, a long-running program on 3CR which follows this show. We just heard from Amuna Abubakre, Enes Mahmoud Musa, and Afra Hangala, the original programmers of a 3CR show that was launched in 2001 as Eritrean Women's Voices. The show is currently hosted and coordinated by Behan Ismail Jabba, Osman Ahmed Shihabi and Ahmed Mahmoud Ali. They are among the 41 volunteers who have worked on getting Eritrean voices to air every week since 2001. One of those volunteers is Maram Anati. Here's what she had to say about her work with Eritrean voices. How are you involved with Eritrean voices? Well, um, I've been part of the team for 10 years now, I think since I was 12. Now I'm 20, turning 21. Um, I talk about the youth in our society when they need me. Um, talk about, um, yeah, I just bring up the news, the Australian news that the youth, the Eritrean youth need to hear about because sometimes we don't, we don't have a massive community here. So, um our youth, because it's not a massive community, we don't have many youth, so we don't have much communication. So I feel like um, it's needed to have some source. So yeah, I li- I'd like to be that source. What sort of things do you talk about? What are you informing the youth about? Um, education mostly. Um, so I graduated from high school, now I'm in uni, and a lot of people don't know the pathways you can take, the options that we have, you know, when you don't have older sisters or brothers that have graduated in the Australian system, when your parents have graduated overseas, um, you don't really know that amount of options that we have in Australia is filled with options. So yeah, I'm here to pass on that. Do you find that there is enough sort of from mainstream or institutions in Australia, there's enough of an outreach towards the Eritrean community in terms of uh, educating them about opportunities, as you say, or providing in language resources and things like that. What's your assessment of that? Um, I don't feel like there's enough outreach. A lot of, because like I said earlier, we're not a massive community. A lot of people look out for, let's say the Ethiopians, they're a massive community, the Somalis, they're a massive community. 
but we're very tiny. We're a small country. We don't have many people. So not many people actually reach out to Eritreans specifically. Sometimes if we're lucky, we're joined with the rest, with Ethiopians, with Somalis, all that stuff. But specifically to Eritreans, I'd say no, not that much. How valuable is Eritrean Voices to this community? Very valuable, you know. I, I haven't heard of anything else like the Eritrean Voices, specifically for Eritreans. So, yeah, I think very valuable. Eritrean Voices is currently coordinated by Berhan Jabba. Many people had told me that the show was important to the community, so I asked Berhan to explain why. This show is important to the Eritrean community because it's one from the uh, most uh, information resources, if you like, to the community. And in Victoria, we have uh, our community, they live in south, in east, in western suburbs. And we have got the community center in North Melbourne Community Center. So they follow up about the activities of the community itself through this radio uh, program, plus the other... Uh, uh importance of this radio is it connects the community with uh, the uh, back home. Like we have got news from uh, Eritrea, we update the community here about what's going on inside the country. Plus, uh, as you know, we have got a lot of uh, thousands of Eritrean refugees around the world in the refugee campus in uh, Sudan, in Libya, in Yemen. So in Egypt, we contact all these uh, refugees and we connect them uh, with their uh, uh, with their uh, families or friends. So uh, it is very important, mainly for the inner community here in Victoria, uh, to uh, give them information about uh, uh, employment, health, and the different services that we have in uh, Victoria. Over the years, what has what have been some of the highlights of the show for you? Uh, the highlights of the show, you know, we have been running this show since 2001, September 2001. And uh, the amazing thing is, uh, Rima, uh, when this show started here in 2001, the Eritrean government suspended all the independent medias in Eritrea. So uh, I don't know, uh, like accident. I mean, it is not planned, but all the voices it has been, uh, all the independent media in Eritrea has been suspended by the government for unknown period, but we were very lucky to have uh, the free voice for uh, Eritrean diasporas here in uh, Victoria. So, the main uh, highlighters, we have got so many things, I mean, since 2001 until today, um, we had over 40 volunteers been through this uh, radio show, but at the end it has been ended up on myself. Uh, I have been volunteering since 2003. We have got Ahmed, he's volunteering since 2005, and Osman. And lately uh, we have our English program, uh, Aya al she joined the program. The main uh, event maybe happened is the the... We had, uh, we documented, uh, like, uh, uh, we wrote a documentary book for this radio show that started since 2001, and we launched that book in 8th of March 2020. 
And uh, the other main uh, highlight, maybe I would like to highlight here, uh, in 2014, we had a full page in the Age newspaper. Uh, they interviewed the people who work in the Urchin uh, Voices as a community radio. And we have got so many things anyway, but just I'm um, uh, trying to tie these uh, uh, two things as an example. But very quickly, this show, when it started, it has been established by our sister Amuna Ovakar and as Urchin Women's uh, Voice, and then it has been passed to the youth, and then since 2003. Uh, we are running it until today, and as I say, it is not only by three or four people, but we had over 40 volunteers in the show. Another current volunteer is Aya Ali Bakit, who hosted the book launch and dinner held earlier this year to celebrate the show. Here is what she had to say about Eritrean Voices. So Aya, you are the latest member of Eritrean Voices. Why did you join? Um, so I have an endearing love for journalism and it's actually something that I'm studying right now. So I'm studying media journalism at Swinburne and basically when I found out about the Eritrean Voices program, I thought, well, I am Eritrean myself and I do have a very deep love for my culture and I would say I'm pretty like politically involved and affiliated, (laughs) but, um, I felt like the Eritrean Voices program was somewhere where I felt like I would have the opportunity and freedom to talk about basically everything that I sort of believe and, you know, as to be sort of a voice for the voiceless, you know, for those people who are repressed in my home country of Eritrea. And I felt that, you know, by me just showcasing or, you know, exposing sort of the news and the ins and outs of everything that... I felt like I was doing something, I don't know, like showing that the rest of the people and the listeners and even people that are on the station that um, although Eritrea is a very small country, um, its history and its relevance is very significant. What sort of topics do you cover? Um, so basically, I think most of the themes that I've covered so far are around um, so Eritrean politics and experiences that um, second generation Australian uh, Australians like Eritrean Australians like myself um, experience living um, in Melbourne and then having that ethnic heritage of being Eritrean and then there's that religious aspect because you're Muslim and you know the experiences that we have are so unique and some of the, I guess, issues that we face are a bit complex as well. So um, that's something that I really mostly talk about on the show. Um, And then, um, of course, there's politics. And we discuss Australian politics as well. And basically just um, themes that revolve around the Eritrean community in Australia. What do you wish that the rest of Australia knew about Eritrea? Well, I wish that... First, people would know where it is. I mean, Eritrea is a very small country and not a lot of people know where it is. I mean, I don't know if that's the lack of geographical skills, but, you know, you come across people and it's a thing where it's like, oh, where are you from? Eritrea, where is that? Is that in the Mediterranean? Like, where is that? Oh, it's in East Africa. Uh, and then you have to, like, further explain and be like, oh, it's that country next to Ethiopia. And it's kind of, like, awkward because it's like, well, this is my nationality. This is how I identify as, but... The fact and Eritrea and Ethiopia had like a 30 year long war. So then saying it's the country next to Ethiopia, I don't know, it sort of takes away from being Eritrean. Like no one really knows where you are. But um, yeah, I think because we're also like a minority community in Australia, not a lot of people know that. But um, 
I just wish that people would see the diverse culture of Eritrea, the different people. Um, and I mean, we have a lot of amazing Eritrean people in our community that do so much amazing work from like people involved in community development. Um, we have entrepreneurs. Um, we have people involved in the media as well. We have health professionals. Like it's really amazing what um, our people can do and contribute to Australian society. That was Aya Ali Beckett, the latest member of Eritrean Voices. That was Aya Ali Beckett, the latest member of Eritrean Voices. That's it for Communication Mixdown this week. We're back again next Monday at 6pm. Tonight we're going out with a song picked by Behan Jabba. This is Teklin Gebru with Zeb Zeb, which translates to Making My Steps Faster. I don't know.